So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at a uh, we looked at a prayer from David. We looked at Psalm 51, and, we, and, it, and it was a. If you were here, if you if you were here, I'll remind you real quick. If you weren't here, I'll give you a summation. Um, but it was uh, it was a prayer of David from the 51st chapter of the book of Psalm. And the primary thing that we focused in that prayer was 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 that it was a great prayer of confession uh, by King David. We know that King David was you know we we uphold him in the church. We look to him as our example a lot of times. But to say that David was a uh, was 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 not perfect would be a gross understatement. We know that David committed some pretty atrocious sins, and in Psalm 51 we pick up following those sins, and David is again pouring his heart out to God, just as some of these folks here were uh, just a few minutes ago. He's confessing his sins before God. He he recognizes God's God's right. He recognizes God's right to be his judge, and he, and, he, and he pleads for forgiveness. He repents, and he, uh, and he asks to be restored. You know, God, restore me in my spirit. You know, created me a clean heart or a new heart. I can't remember exactly how he phrases it. But the primary thing that we focused during that time, that we focused on, the primary theme that we focused on from David's prayer was the theme of uh, confession. Specifically, we looked not just at the idea of, of uh, confession to God, but confession to or in the presence of God, of God and other people. That's a, that's a, that's a big directive, and, and God doesn't tell us this to hurt us. He knows that it will bring about healing in our lives when, we, when we're able to confess our shortcomings, confess our sins, not just to God, uh, but in front of another person. So that was the primary theme of what we talked about two weeks ago. Today we're going to go back to the Old Testament, and we're going to go to a story from 1 Kings uh, where we're going to find David's son, Solomon also offering a prayer to God, also communing with God. But in this particular prayer, Solomon um, makes a request before God, or to God, after God approaches him in a dream and makes his own request. What I want you guys to look at is, is Solomon's response when we go over this scripture. Solomon's response when God comes to him, when he appears to him in this dream, he says, he says Solomon... Ask me anything you want. I want you guys to focus on what Solomon's response is because just as David's confession, prayer of confession, mighty prayer of confession served as a model for us today and a model of great humility, Solomon's prayer that we're going to talk about today is also a prayer of great humility. And it serves to us as an example of how we look at our hearts, how we look at our motivations when we approach God in prayer. Mr. Arthur pointed out this morning that he liked our sign out front. I don't know if y'all read it, but it's a simple question. It says, what are you praying for? And that's kind of the title of this sermon, and that's kind of the title or the theme that we're going after this morning. What are you praying for when you go to God in prayer, especially when you're asking God for things? What are you asking for? And what are your motivations when you ask these things? So I want you to look at how Solomon responds to God as we read over these scriptures and ask yourself this question. Ask how you would respond if God gave you the same opportunity that he gives Solomon that we're about to read about. How would you respond if God gave you the same opportunity that he gives Solomon in this narrative that we're going to read? It's 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to look at it. It's a pretty large portion of Scripture, but it's verses 5 through 14. You can see it up here on the screen, or if you want to look at it in the Bible. 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14. So at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. 
during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. What would y'all do if God asked you that? Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered. He said, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you, and he was righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne every day. And now, Lord God, you have made your servant king in, a place, in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, the great people, too numerous to count, too numerous to count or to number. So here's what he asked for. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and a discerning heart so that there, never, so that there will never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. I will give you both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and my commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. It's the word of God for the people of God. So if you all remember correctly, if you were here or if you happen to catch the sermon online, when we talked about David's, David's prayer, from Psalm 51, I told you in the very, very beginning of that sermon that one of the things that we have to come to terms with, one of the things that we have to come to terms with when it comes to prayer, when it comes to approaching God, when it comes to communicating with God, when it comes to asking things of God, I told you this, and I'm going to repeat it multiple times today, that prayer at the end of the day is about learning to allow God to conform our will to His. Prayer at the end of the day is about learning to conform our wills to the will of God. What I'm afraid of is a lot of times we think it's the opposite. And a lot of times we approach God in that manner. We want to try to talk God into something. We want to try to conform God's will to ours so that we get what we want. And that's not what prayer is. That's not why we have it. Prayer is always, always, always about learning. It's about submitting to conform our will to whatever God's desires are and not our own. So if you want to know why some of your prayers go, answered, go unanswered or why some of your prayers get answered in a way that you don't like or that you didn't expect, this is why. This is why. Okay, because God is not in the business of doing our will. We are in the business of doing God's will. And learning what God's will is, our, is for our lives. So that's why our prayers, one of the reasons, one of the reasons your prayers don't get answered or they get, in, or they get answered in a way that is against what you had hoped for or against what we, we had hoped for. But here's the thing, and we've got to remember this. God always has our best interest in mind. God always, just because we don't get what we want doesn't mean God doesn't care. It's because God always has our best interest in mind every time. Every time, even if we don't understand why God answers the prayer, our prayers the way that 
He does. Even if we don't agree with the way that God answers our prayers the way He does. Or that He just fails to answer them all outright. God always has our best interest in mind. When we became faithfully committed disciples of Jesus Christ, my wife and I really clung to one verse in the Bible. And this is a promise that we have from Scripture, and it comes from Romans 8.28. Some of y'all can probably recite this by heart. But Romans 28 says this. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. This is a promise that we have from God through the assurance of Scripture. God's not out to get us. He's not out to hurt us, but he always has our best interest in mind, and he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us more so, better, than we do. So think back during your lifetime. And I, got, I want you, actually want you guys to do this. Think back throughout your life right now. Think of some of the things that you may have asked God for in the past. Think of some of these things. I saw Daryl just raise his eyebrows. Think about some of these things that you may have asked for in the past that did not come to light or did not come to uh, fruition. Or maybe they turned out a way, a way differently than you wanted or expected them to. All of us have examples of those times in our life. We prayed for something that didn't go our way. Maybe it made us mad when it didn't go our way. Maybe we didn't agree with it. But now think about this. Somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, God showed us the bigger picture. Some point in our life, God showed us what was really going on. And somehow we knew. We just knew. We realized that the whole time God was working for our good. Our prayer went unanswered. It didn't go the way we wanted it to at the time. We were mad. We were frustrated. We didn't understand why God didn't, didn't let us do or didn't let us become or whatever what we had asked for. But at some point down the road, we look back, we say, aha, that's why. That's why. And during the whole time, he was fulfilling Romans 28, 28 working for our good it turned out better than we had expected better better than it, it could have ever turned out had we gotten things our way god's always got our got our best interest in mind i've had those experiences i've had those experiences throughout my life never in a million years would i have thought that i would have been the pastor at bemis united methodist church never in a million years Especially had I gotten some of the things that I had prayed for throughout my lifetime. This wasn't, this wasn't the route that I wanted for my life 20 years ago. Even, ten, even almost 10 years ago. This wasn't what I had planned. It wasn't, it, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. But God had a better idea for me. God didn't answer my prayers at the time. Stuff didn't work out the, th the way that I wanted stuff to work out. But God had my best interest in mind. He knew what was best for me, and he sent me on that path. He sent me on that path, and here's the other thing we're going to talk about. He sent me on that path that honored him and allowed me to use the gifts that he had graced me with to love and to serve other people through the best of my ability and through the power of the Holy Spirit. God knew what he was doing from the beginning to the end. He knew what he was doing from the beginning to the end. So that's what he's taught me. He's taught me to seek his will. He's taught me to, he's taught me to, to seek his will in all areas of my life. He's taught me to listen. Yes, we can listen to God. And he's taught me that prayer, again, is always about learning to conform my will to his. Always about learning to conform my will to his. That's what real prayer is. 
even if it doesn't go our way, even when it goes unanswered, even if it ticks us off. God's working through us, and he's working his will, and he's working for our good. So what's this got to do with today's scriptures? In today's scriptures, we see that Solomon is already praying for something that he knows is God's will, for one thing. He's already bending his will towards the will of God. So I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked you guys in the beginning. What if God had asked you this? What if God had come to you and he said, Daryl, Rudy, Paulette, Bill, Alan, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask me for whatever you want me to give you. This is God. This is God who can certainly provide anything that we can possibly imagine. What would your response be? What would my response have been? Jerry, ask me for anything in the world. What you want me to give you. Think about what would be your response. More so, think about what would motivate that response. If God asked us to give us for anything that we could have, what would motivate our response? Would we be motivated by our self-interest or would we be motivated by something else? Would we be motivated by what I just talked about, honoring God and loving and serving other people? Would we, be, would we ask, for God, ask of God to give us something that would help us to conform to his will? Solomon is already bending towards God's will. Solomon didn't ask for wealth, though he became extremely wealthy. Solomon did not ask for anything selfish, self-centered, self-serving. He basically asked for one thing. He said, give me some wisdom. Give me some wisdom and give me a discerning heart so that I can best love and that I can best serve the people that you have entrusted of me, the people that you have entrusted to me. That's a powerful prayer, man. Yeah, he asked for something for himself. But with the intent and with the motivation so that it could help and serve other people. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. What do we pray for? <laughs> As our sign says outside, what are we asking God for? Are the things that we ask God for, are they self-oriented in nature, or do, they, or do we ask to be provided things that will honor Him and that will love and serve other people? If y'all remember right, again, I'll go back to a couple weeks ago when I talked about the idea of confession. I told, I told you guys that, uh, that I didn't learn the idea. Of course, I learned the idea of confessing my sins before God in church, but I, I didn't learn the idea of confessing my sins to another person in the church until late, way later on when I entered the Methodist church actually I learned that from another organization called Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> um, that's where I learned to confess my sins to other people because that's a primary tenet of that program that's a primary tenet of uh, all 12 step programs is, is sitting, with some, sitting with another person and laying out all my junk laying out all my shortcomings all of my sins all, every bad thing I've ever done every good thing I've ever done that's part of their program, and it comes from the Bible, actually. So that's where I actually learned initially, initially the idea of the and the and the healing power that comes 
with confessing my sins. The same thing goes for today's scripture. When we talk about praying for God's will, when we, when we talk about when we, when we go to, before God in prayer, what we're asking for, what our motivations are. Um, am I asking stuff out of self-interest, stuff that's going to serve me and serve me only, or do I have a different motivation? Specifically, is that motivation honoring God, to honor God and honor other people? Here's something else I didn't learn in the church. I learned how to pray this prayer through those 12-step groups initially. I'm going to read that to you real quick. This is what step 11 of Alcoholics Anonymous and any other 12-step group says. And this is what we do. This step says that we, sought, that we seek, it tells us to seek through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. And here it is. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. You don't ask God for a new car. You don't ask God for a girlfriend or a boyfriend, a husband or a wife. You don't ask God for wealth and riches. You spend time with God, and you ask only for knowledge of what His will is for your life and the strength to carry that out. Let me tell you, I took that to heart. And this, is long, this is a long time for inner church. I took that prayer to heart because I'd asked and prayed for some pretty selfish stuff throughout my life, and I got it. I got it. I realized I'm not in control of my life anymore. I got to let somebody else take the wheel, so to speak. And that's God. So that's how I started praying initially. Long before, once again, before I even really considered being what anything remotely close to an Orthodox Christian, I started praying these prayers. Um, and I think Jesus led me into that. But I just started doing that. God, what's your will for my life? What do you want me to do? What is your will, not mine? And I really stuck to that for a lot for, for a number of years. And I still do to a great degree. To a great degree, I do I, I, that that's my most simple prayer. Just tell me what your will is and help me to conform to that will. Just as we see the example of Solomon doing. Solomon didn't ask for a bunch of stuff for him. He asked for stuff that would serve other people and that would honor God. And I believe it would serve us well. I believe it would serve our congregation. I think it would serve Christianity well across the board if we started praying simple prayers like this if we started looking to Jesus and we started looking to the Bible God's will is revealed in the Bible I'll get to that in a second and just started seeking his will God what is your will give me knowledge of your will and just give me the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to live and to carry that out in my life and just start right there this is a wonderful teaching this is a great teaching um, such a great outlook on how to approach God from a very, very simple and basic point of view. I know we're pushing for time, so I'm, I'm, I'm going over my notes to give you guys the highlights. We don't know what God's will is for our lives a lot of times, especially when we start talking about or thinking about specific, very specific areas. You know, where do I send my kid to school? Um, go back to the husband and wife thing, boyfriend, girlfriend thing. Should I, should I date this person? Should I not date that person? All of these things, all of these things, all these major decisions that we have to make in our life, we don't always know what God's will is. So we, we have to spend a little bit more time with God in determining and discerning some of, these, some of these life decisions. However, there are very, very specific things that we most certainly do know are the will of God. Because he gives it to us. He gives it to us in Scripture. 
and he gives, us to, gives it to us to specifically more so, even though this is scripture, through the words of Jesus. One of those is wisdom. Guess what Solomon prayed for? Wisdom. The wisdom of God. God wants us to be, as we've talked about several weeks ago, he wants us to be a people of great compassion. We know this. This is the will of God. This is what we seek. This is what we pray for. This is how we are conformed into the will of God. He certainly wants to give it to us. He wants us to be people who seek justice for the marginalized, for the poor, for the oppressed. He wants us to be people of great humility, people of great hospitality, people of great generosity, people of great kindness. He wants us to be a people of peace. He wants us to be, in short, people who mirror the very image of Jesus Christ through our thoughts, through our words, through our actions, particularly through our relationships. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, here is a good starting point. Some of these things. Are we praying for these things? Just as Solomon prayed for the wisdom of God, are we praying for the things that we know are God's will? Are we praying to be a little more compassionate, a little more generous, a little more kind? Are we seeking these things in our lives? That's what the will of God is. That's what the will of God is. And again, here's our example right here in Solomon. What if God, I'll ask you again, what if God asked, told you, yeah, I'll give you anything you want? What's going to motivate our answer? The will of God. And a lot of times, I'll go back to what I said a second ago. This is, this is, this is basically, and I'm not trying to make this about myself, but <clears throat> this is basically the majority of my prayer life, really. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm messed up. <laughs> I'm a lot less messed up than I used to be, but I'm still messed up. I know that I'm not fully conformed in my heart and my mind and my words and my actions to the will of God. But I have seen him work miracles in my life. Okay? I have seen him work miracles in my heart and in my mind and in the way that I act and the way that I talk to people, the way that I treat people and in my relationships. I've seen those little steps. And that's the result, I believe, of me praying these things that I just mentioned. Make me a little more kind. Make me a little more wise. Make me a person of compassion. Make me a, give me a heart of compassion for people. And I'm a little <laughs> less messed up today than I was yesterday. And I'm not doing that myself. God's doing that. I have no doubt about that. God wants to give us these things. And I talked about that several weeks ago in, in another sermon. I can't remember which, which one it was. We have to believe that God wants us to give, wants to give us things that are his will. Okay, <laughs> We have to believe that. We have to know that. If it's the will of God, certainly he wants us to be and become those things. Are we asking for those things as we approach God in prayer? Are these the things that we ask for? That's the big question today. What are we praying for? Okay? What are we praying for? What do we ask in particular? What are we asking God for? When we approach God during our prayer times, what are we asking him for? And what are our motivations for asking these things? Are we asking things for sheerly for self-interest, sheerly for stuff that's going to benefit me, or are we motivated by something else? Are we motivated by what we know is the will of God? Are we motivated by asking God for things that we know, number one, are going to honor him, and number two, are going to help us to grow more Christ-like, 
and give us the desire and the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to love people more and to serve people more. That's what our buddy Solomon did, and that, that's, that's what he asked for, and that's what our model is. Not that God doesn't care about every aspect of your life. God certainly does compare, care about every aspect of your life. But what are our motivations when we go to God in prayer? I want to point out one more scripture, and you're not going to see it on the screen. I'm just going to read it out to you. If you want to dive deeper, by the way, into, into some basic ideas of what the will of God is, look in the Gospels. They used to print the words of Jesus in red in most Bibles. Some of them don't do that anymore. Look at the words of Jesus. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life, for the life of any Christian, look at the words of Jesus. Particularly, open up the Gospel of Matthew. Read chapters 5 through 7. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know what the will of God is, there it is. Laid out about as plain as you can put it. If you want to know what the will of God is, read the book of James. It'll take you about 20 minutes to read the whole book. You want to know what the will of God is? Go back to that chapter from 1 Corinthians that we always hear at weddings, chapter 13, the great love chapter. That's the will of God. And again, I'm going to say this. God wants to give us these things. He wants us to have these things. Let me point out one more scripture. Here I go. Matthew chapter 7, right there in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and I'm just going to read them to you. Matthew 7 through 11 we got entirely too many ribbons in this Bible these are the words of Christ again this is right here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount <coughs> and people treat this people treat this particular scripture like it's such a mystery it's not a mystery Jesus says this he says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, and here's Jesus' story, story, storytelling abilities, but he makes a wonderful point. He says, which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus tells us that our prayers will be answered. Gary, I'm going to start playing if you don't mind. Um, Jesus wants to answer our prayers, and those, those are what our scriptures tell us. A lot of times you'll hear these particular scriptures used um, by people who like to <coughs> falsely preach prosperity. That's not what these scriptures are about. These scriptures are not saying, hey, ask God or ask Christ anything, anything that's on your mind and your heart, and he's going to give that stuff to you. Absolutely not. He tells us this right here, but if you're asking in the will of God, yeah, he's going to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. What about all this, hey, if, what, what, what if your son asked you for a stone? Or what, what if your son asked you for uh, bread? Would you give him a stone? What if he asked you for a fish? Would you give him a snake? Sometimes we ask for snakes. Sometimes we ask for stones. Sometimes we ask for stuff that God knows isn't good for us. And he's not going to give it to us. But if we're seeking him in the will of God, yes. Scripture tells us right there. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you're going to find it. He wants us to be conformed to the will of God. 
into the image of Christ. So what are you praying? What am I praying? And what motivates us during our prayer times? Again, is it self-serving? Or is it God-focused? Is it me-focused? Or is it others-focused? These are things to consider as we we go to God in prayer. This is the will of God. Gracious Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence that was clearly, clearly here with us, Lord. We thank you for the model prayer that Solomon gives us here, God. He could have asked for anything in the world that he wanted. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask to be rich. He didn't ask for bright and shiny things. He asked simply for wisdom. He asked simply for a discerning heart so that he could better serve you, so that he could better serve the people that you entrusted to him. I pray for myself, God, that you would give me that kind of heart. Help me, God, not to seek self-interest, things that only serve me. Give me a heart for others. Give me a heart in my prayer time to truly seek your will, to become your will, to seek nothing on earth but to honor you, love and serve others as Christ commanded. Pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.